Welcome to episode 175 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For the podcast this week, we're going to discuss the question, are we too trusting of technology? So up until now, uh, we've had a long run of technology where we've built our trust in these various systems. Uh, email, we now use instead of mail. We don't feel uh, particularly worried, or maybe we do a little, but uh, not too much that our email is going to get to the uh, person we uh, wish it to get to. Uh, for online purchasing, we're fairly confident that using a credit card online uh, will successfully transact and we'll be able to get the uh, the goods that we want. In fact, Americans are buying uh, more and more stuff online every day. So I think we've kind of gotten over the uh, the trust issue in, in a number of these uh, online technologies. But we have a host of new emerging technologies, of course, that could help us to navigate a lot of life and death situations. Uh, in particular, I want to draw attention to a interesting study that was conducted by the Georgia Institute of Technology, uh, which placed uh, volunteers in a fake emergency situation. Of course, they didn't know it was fake mm -hmm. at the time uh, to see whether or not they blindly follow a robot that indicated that it could uh, get a safe route out of the building. Uh, so, so in the experiment, the volunteers follow a robot down the hall to a conference room where they're asked to complete some, you know, minor task. Uh, and as they're sitting there completing this this task in the conference room, uh, smoke starts to, you know, billow into the room. <laughs> nice. and, and then the robot, you know, has a little sign that says, you know, you can follow me to safety. Basically, you know, emergency robot guide. I think it said. Well, of course, okay. the people are going to follow the robot unless yeah. they know the way out themselves. If they well, don't know, you know. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, well, I believe they 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 knew the route in because they okay. they, they walked in, but and it was pretty uh, straightforward. It was like left, right, left, right, left, right. Where the hell? Yeah. Are they? Okay. And and, okay. and and then and then the robot just sort of let you know led them off into uh, you know the into net. the fire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and of course. Uh, I think 26 out of the 30 people followed the robot, and uh, a couple were disqualified, and a couple, uh, you know, the other two, like, didn't leave the conference room. So, basically, everybody who, who left the conference room and who was not disqualified followed this, this robot. Um, and, and which, of course, raises an interesting question for human-robot interaction, right? You've got this figure of authority, which is your, your robot, you're expected, you know, to uh, follow it because, you know, it says it's the the emergency robot guide, and you know what are our what you know what are our instincts, and you know if they're telling us, hey, you know, this is not the way I came in. Why should I be following this uh, uh, this robot out of the building when it's clearly not uh, leading me uh, anywhere safe? I call BS on this test. I call total BS. <laughs> okay. Total BS. All right. Why? For a bajillion reasons. Okay. Number one, if you've smelled real fire, you know what it smells like. And it smells a lot different than a smoke generator or a fog generator. So uh, unless they were really super careful mm -hmm. about bringing in smoke that explicitly smelled like a real fire, mm -hmm. you're going to have people who deconstruct the activity right there. Second, 
people know they're coming in for an experiment. They probably signed a form. It's, it's a normal lab thing. And so it's not unusual for the lab things to take a left turn to misdirect you, right? Mm -hmm. So some percentage of those people could have... Um, could have totally deconstructed the activity and mm -hmm. kind of called bullshit, like, oh, okay, here we go, right? Three, we've been conditioned that emergency exits are different places. Like if you're in a hotel, for example, the emergency exits are these weird things way the hell off in the corner. It's not the way you came in. We're taught that in the, in the environments we go to that are outside of our homes, we're taught emergency exit is a special place and it's not the normal place. So I think there's a million reasons why people would follow the robot or not mm -hmm. go out of the room or disqualify. So I love the theme you've brought up for this show. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. But I think their experiment sucks. Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, the, uh, uh, the experiment certainly, uh, uh, you know, has, has potential flaws. However... It, it does raise, you know, the specter of uh, these scenarios uh, where, where human life is potentially in danger and, uh, you know, raises the question how we trust or do not trust the, the, uh, the technology that is uh, provided to us. So uh, in, in a very tragic example, there is a... Uh, a fellow who was who was killed in a, in a car accident, uh, which was running on the uh, uh, Tesla's autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. So he was in his Tesla and he had it on autopilot, and you know there was there was an accident uh, uh, on the road, and and he died. So there's there's an example there. Certainly, you know uh, Tesla's software is uh, still being developed, and 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 automatic uh, autonomous cars are you know still. Being uh, um, being tested and, and really you know like an alpha or or beta, um, but there's an example of a a level of trust that is that is afforded to a uh, artificial intelligence or a series of sensors and and software and where that ended up with you know a very a very tragic end. So and that's a great example because. Yeah. The, the Tesla, with their autopilot feature, they're explicit to drivers, keep your hands on the wheel, yep. keep your foot on the brakes, and stay alert the whole time, right? That's one of the reasons why when we talked about the technology before, I was very critical of it. I was like, what? why bother? Just drive your freaking car at that point, right? But so this individual was given those warnings, and despite those warnings, presumably, either through inattention or not having the foot or not having the hands, something didn't, um, you know, override and, and keep himself safe, keep himself alive, right? Um, so, yeah, it's sort of an over-trust in the technology. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, those warnings, those are just, you know, they're being over-careful. It's like 10 and 2, right? We don't really do 10 and 2. It's, mm -hmm. That's overly careful. Um, and the guy's dead because of it, and that's that's really unfortunate. And... Um, you know, in, in scenarios with burning buildings and the like, ways in which humans may die in the future. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's an interesting question because uh, there there is sort of a built in expectation that uh, that technology is going to work for us and will not uh, will not fail in such a way that it will put our lives in danger. So we all know that there's. Uh, autopilots on planes, for instance, or there's software that helps run our subway systems, or there's you know just a host of of different um, 
uh, pieces of, of software and hardware that direct our lives every day. Uh, for instance, you know, the, the, uh, the traffic light system uh, that adjusts to the amount of traffic uh, is another example of that. So I'd, I'd be interested to know what, what's happening on the litigation side. So if the traffic light malfunctions and someone dies in a car crash due to the malfunction, can you sue the, I, I, I don't know how all that is set up, but can you sue the city or can you sue the, the engineer or can you sue the manufacturer? Um, and I ask those questions because I think, I, I think the highways are a great place to talk about all this stuff because mm -hmm. we have this illusion of control. Right now we're driving our car, we crash, it's someone else's fault or it's our fault. However that's figured out, like humans are blamed. We're heading towards a future of driverless cars. I think it's, it's almost certain, it mm -hmm. may not. But um, in that scenario, it's very likely the cars will be far more safe and less people will die on the highways. A lot of people die on the highways. I don't know what the number is. It's certainly tens of thousands a year in the United States. It, it may be in the hundreds. I, I don't know scale, but it's a lot of people die on, on the highways right now. If those technologies cut that number in half, right, objectively safer, objectively better, but the people who die in those accidents, now they're dying because something went wrong with somebody's technology. Mm -hmm. It was my car software or your car software or something else other than my agency of me as a driver, you as a driver, and we're taking responsibility for what's going on. Now it's, it's something totally different. And I'm, I'm really curious on the litigation side how that's going to pan out. And I, I think people, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who hate the technology because they, they were the unlucky lottery winners of their loved ones being killed. Less people die overall, but my person's dead. If they were allowed to hold their steering wheel, they wouldn't be dead. I think those are naughty um, legal and ethical things that are, are going to be great um, you know, sort of great straw men, great, you know, great first to the fight in how we're thinking about all of the implications of, you know, turning, turning various parts of the world over to uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, I, you know, you, you, you raised the, uh, uh, you know, some, some of the questions about regulatory structure. There's also all of the, you know, insurance requirements, right? Like, like who's responsible uh, you know, if if something happens, uh, is it the car manufacturer's fault? Is it the uh, software provider's fault? Um, you know, or is it uh, you know some uh, some combination thereof? I don't know. Uh, and and I think the um, sort of the danger, or at least the um, the problem with introducing these technologies that automate uh, certain aspects that were uh, up till now. Uh, responsible uh, via human agency is it's asking people to trust and then you have the but verify, right? So you have to keep your hands on, on, the, uh, on the wheel and your foot on the brake just in case, right? So, so it, that's just not <laughs> extremely difficult, right? So in the same, you know, in, in, the, in the Georgia Institute of Technology study that you, that you panned, um, you know, if that were a real situation, you're, you're basically saying, you know, when do we turn off the autopilot, right, and stop trusting the the machine and and sort of uh, go with our gut, um, find our own way out of the building, step on the brake, um, or you know, dodge to the left or what have you. So, so I think this um, very difficult realm of 
you know, sort of ambient, you know, ambiently being aware of what's going on around you and then sort of immediately bring your focus uh, into view when there's an emergency situation. I, I, I think we're going to run into a lot more of those. And that's where this 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 trust issue uh, is going to come up more and more. So we're probably at the very, very beginnings of this discussion. Um, and and I don't think it's going to be an easy road, as, as, as you pointed out. There's going to be a lot of uh, argue, arguments about this, uh, and rightly so. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be in danger because humans are careless. I mean, we just, we are. If You know, there was one time, I don't know, it's probably been a year or two even, so I think it's worse now, most likely. But I drove down the road and I just said, how many people are texting or on their device? I passed 12 people. Every 12 of them, every one, 12 out of 12 were on their device. Now, it certainly is under 100%, but... That sample size is a perfect example of it. And and I say we are careless because, look, I'm on my device sometimes too, unfortunately, you know, on the road. It's been communicated to us. We know, hey, dum-dum, you are much more likely to die whizzing at a high rate of speed in this big, heavy metal thing if you're doing that. But we still do it. So we, you know, we, we make this little calculation um, based on sort of incomplete um, understanding, incomplete really grokking what the danger is and we we thrust ourselves into further danger for what for for nothing for for the 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 difficulty of being bored for the the the, the draw of the little serotonin rush of the little the little thing um and so that you know that sort of um behavioral that that way of behaving is going to continue to haunt us moving forward i mean it's why we use easy passwords it's why we're not um, secure with with our our online information. While, why many of us probably, unbeknownst to us, you know, all of our our goodies are out there already, and people could be using those against us and leveraging even today if they really wanted to. We're we're careless, and that carelessness is going to add risk to the the future of of AI. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we are mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 175 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett. And we'll see you next time.